Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand podcast. I'm Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon is from Judges 8, verses 22 through 35, and we're going to be looking at the problems of power and what happens when power accumulates in people's hands. And so that's particularly apt as our country goes through this COVID crisis, and I pray that God would bless you through it. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Judges 8, verses 22 through 35. And I read in Jesus' name. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, we will willingly give them, and they, will, and they spread a cloak, and every man threw in the earring of his spoil, and the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were around the necks of their camels. And Gideon made an ephod of it, and put it in his city in Ophrah. And all Israel whored after it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel. And they raised their heads no more. And the land had rest forty years in the days of Gideon. Jerubbaal, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had seventy sons, his own offspring. For he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son. And he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father at Ophrah of the Abizrites. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made Baal Bareth their god. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had redeemed them, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, I ask that you bless this time. Lord, that you would guide our study, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored. Lord, that you would be at work in our souls. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the power of it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, as we begin, this sermon is entitled, Power Problems. And the reason that I entitled it that is because we start to see some of the problems that happen in the lives of men as we accumulate power. And so this sermon's going to be a little bit different, and it's going to be kind of a, a confession of my fears. And you start to see why we do some of the things and why I do some of the things the way that I do them. Because power wasn't good for Gideon. It was, it was really tough on him. And, and that's, a, that's a terror. That's a fear that I have, in all honesty. Uh, I fear power. Because I know how dangerous it is. And I know how it, it, it wraps people up. People get all wrapped up in their power, all wrapped up in their authority, and it changes them. And it's not that, or rather they change in order to keep the power. And that's a scary thing. And so, as we get going... Let's start out with Gideon here. And we start out, we see that Gideon starts out with good intentions. Now the people of Israel, they want to make him king. And the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us. 
you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. And now Israel wants Gideon to be king. The people of Israel want Gideon to be king. Now we know that David hasn't come along yet. Saul hasn't come along yet. This wasn't sanctioned by God. Rather, the people of Israel desired it. And why? You know, why do the people of Israel want a king? What's, what's going on here? Well, their cited reason is because they saw Gideon as being the one that saved them from the hand of Midian. The people of Israel missed something really important here. And, and I think this is across the board, maybe. Can I say that? I think I can say that. That when we focus on the human vessel, we start to glorify that and we miss God behind it all. Because remember, as Gideon fought the Midianites, now, Gideon was a courageous man. He went up against the Midianite army with 300 men. And there were 132,000 Midianites. That's a lot of Midianites. And even when there was only 12,000 left, Gideon continued to pursue. Now 12,000 in comparison to 132,000, 12,000 is nothing, you know. But at the same time, 12,000 in comparison to 300 is still a huge like, discrepancy here. This isn't even two to one. And so Gideon is continuing to pursue, but it was God that gave the victory to Gideon. It wasn't Gideon that figured out the victory, but as the people looked at the victory, they saw Gideon. They saw this man of valor and they thought, hey, we have this man of valor. We want someone like that to rule us because if we have someone like that who can take 300 men and defeat 120 or 132,000 Midianites, We'll never lose. Never lose. And so they wanted that assurance. But they missed God. They missed that it was the Lord. That it wasn't Gideon. Gideon was simply a vessel. Gideon was used by God. That didn't make Gideon God. That didn't actually give Gideon any power. And so then we see that. We see that the people of Israel missed it. They missed that it was the Lord rather than Gideon. They praised Gideon rather than God. They forgot that all of what, everything that Gideon had, that was given to him by God. Nothing, none of it was Gideon's on his own. And so Gideon, he takes a noble stand. And Gideon says, not I. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you. And my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Because Gideon understands, I'm guessing, at least to some degree, Gideon understands that it wasn't, that this wasn't his place. This wasn't his role. He wasn't called to be king. He was called to be a judge. He was called to be a judge, not king over the land. I don't know why he says this, but he says, not I. It's not for me. It's not for my children. This isn't our place. And that's really important. Because Gideon defers. As Gideon starts out, he starts out with good intentions. The people of Israel missed it. And they were more than happy to give their power, to give their authority, to give themselves over to Gideon. Because when you make someone king, you give him rule. And so the people of Israel were more than happy to do that. But Gideon said, that's, that's not for me. That's not even for my sons. 
And so we could say that Gideon had good intentions. He didn't want to rule. He didn't want to be the one at the head. He didn't want to be the one in power. He didn't want to be the one with that title of king for whatever reason. He says, but the Lord, in verse 23 there, the Lord will rule over you. Because the one who rules is the one who takes responsibility. The one who rules is the one who has authority. The one who rules, the buck stops with them. The Lord will rule over you. He's the one that sets the rules. He's the one that sets the standards. He's the one that goes in front all the time. That's the ruler. That's the place of the ruler. And you know, that's, that's a spot of a lot of responsibility. That's a spot of, uh, there's a, for, for every level of authority, there is more responsibility. And this is something I don't think people understand when they pursue authority, when they pursue power, when they pursue fame. They don't understand really the responsibility that goes along with it. Because authority and power and rule, they are positions of responsibility. Because then the buck stops with you. You can't go and blame other people. You can't say, I'm just following orders. He's saying, the rule is with the Lord. I'm not going to take the rule. I'm not going to take that position of authority. I'm not going to take that position of privilege. He's also saying, I'm not going to take that position of responsibility. It's the Lord's. Look to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He will rule over you. So Gideon starts out really good. This opening sentence is great. But it it doesn't remain good is the problem. As he starts out with good intentions, he doesn't maintain that good path. Because the next thing we see him doing, now we don't know if this happened right away, kind of guessing it did because they still had all the earrings from the Ishmaelites. But then he asked for the golden earrings. So he starts to accumulate gold. Why is he accumulating this gold? You know, 120, 132,000 men, all of them had earrings. That's a lot of earrings. That's a lot of gold. That's a lot of shekels. 1,700 shekels of gold besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, besides the collars that were around the necks of their camels. And so you get this idea that Gideon is just, and the men, the people have just become ridiculously wealthy because of this. And as, as that wealth is brought together by Gideon, he does something now that's foolish. And what he does that's foolish is he makes this ephod. And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city in Ophrah. And all Israel whored after it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. And so that verse 27 there became, becomes really important um, because Gideon starts out well, but then he messes up. And what's an ephod? So in Israel, an ephod was... Uh, kind of a vest that was worn. And uh, the people, the, the priests, were called to make an ephod and to wear an ephod. And the priest's ephod was to have 12 stones on the front of it. And those 12 stones on the front of this ephod, as they wore that ephod, they could present themselves before the Lord. And as they presented themselves before the Lord, they were actually presenting them, they were presenting the people of Israel. And so they were coming 
as a single man on behalf of all the nation of Israel, all the 12 tribes of Israel. And so that was the purpose of this ephod. But they were to wear that and then they were to go before the Lord as they offered sacrifice. And, and, and so they became the go-between. The one wearing the ephod was the go-between. He spoke on Israel's behalf before the Lord and then he could hear back from the Lord for the people of Israel. He was the go-between. He was the mediator. And so that was the purpose of the ephod. And the ephod was the place where they kept the Urim and the Thummim in. Now those were the lots. And so they cast lots. Now specifically the way these lots worked, we don't really know the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. We're told in the book of Proverbs, you know, casting lots was a common thing. And it was a way by which you know, when um, Saul made that foolish oath and Jonathan, his son, had eaten some honey, uh, it was at that time that, you know, they cast lots and they found that it was Jonathan. It seems like these lots, they really worked. It was God spoke through, God spoke through them. And as these lots were cast, then they could divine the will of the Lord. And so the priest would bring the request of the people before the Lord as a representative of the people. You see that ephod, you can imagine that they were standing before God and they were saying, this is what the people need, God. This is what the people want, Lord. This is what's going on. And so then they would cast the lots that they kept in there to divine what the will of the Lord is. So that's what the ephod is. The problem is Gideon made one. Gideon didn't have the right to do that. There was only to be one ephod. And that ephod, that one ephod that was supposed to be there, that was for the priest. Gideon wasn't the priest. Gideon didn't have that right. Gideon didn't stand at the temple of the Lord, well, at the tabernacle of the Lord at this time. Gideon didn't stand there. Gideon didn't offer sacrifice. And so Gideon is taking upon himself this bad theology, this idea that since God has spoken to him, that for some reason Gideon now has the right to go in between himself and God, to go in between the people of Israel and God. And so Gideon makes himself a go-between. And so if the people had a request of God, they would have to then come to Gideon. Gideon would put on the ephod and then he would ask God for this request or Gideon would present someone else, raise someone else up to put on that ephod and to go before the Lord. And now that that's quite a position of power. That's a position of, of a lot of authority. And you know, that's, it's a dangerous position because it became a snare. It became a snare to Gideon. Not only to Gideon, but it became a snare to everybody around because now Instead of Gideon being a political ruler, Gideon actually was a spiritual ruler. Gideon took the place of a priest. And so he became priest over them. He became ruler over them in a spiritual manner. And so the people, according to scripture here, it became a snare and they whored after it. Now what does it mean that they whored after it? Any time scripture uses that um, this is ESV saying hoard after it. Um, anytime that the ESV translates something like that, that means that the people of Israel were worshiping this thing and they were selling themselves to it. They were selling themselves over to this false god. They were whoring after it. 
And so it became a God to them. It replaced the Lord. Now the Lord had never sanctified this. He had never sanctioned this ephod. He had never said this is the way to do it. And so it became a God to the Israelites. It replaced proper worship. And this happens. This happens. And this is the scary application of this. And this is something that scares me as a pastor. Is that people would come to me thinking that I have some special relationship with God. And indeed, I have a relationship with God. Why? It's because of Jesus. It's because Jesus died for me. It's because Jesus shed his blood. It's because I can pray in Jesus' name. I don't get to pray in Joe Faldet's name. I don't get to pray in Gideon's name. I don't get to pray in Hosanna's name. I don't get to pray in any of those names. I don't get to approach God in anybody's name except for the name of Jesus Christ because only Jesus Christ is righteous. You know, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So then I pray in Jesus' name because Jesus is the righteous one. I come covered in his blood. I come covered in his righteousness. I come in his name. And so as I stand before God, I don't stand before God because of the righteousness of Joe Faldet. I stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so nobody can come to me because I've got a closer relationship with God than they do. Because they all, everybody, everybody in this world who trusts in Jesus can come to God on the same standard that I come to God. Everybody in this world who trusts in Jesus comes in Jesus' name. And so then my righteousness doesn't add anything to that. Their righteousness doesn't add anything to that. If they're trusting in Jesus, it's not making it closer, it's not making it tighter, it's not making it better. And this is where the people of Israel messed up. They thought, well, we'll come to Gideon, Gideon will go before us. This is where pastors mess up, this is where... uh, religious people of all shapes and forms mess up. Well, God's answered some of my prayers. Well, God's spoken to me. Therefore, I have some special relationship with God. Uh Uh-uh. That's not the way it works. Has God answered some of my prayers? Yeah, absolutely. Does that mean that I have a special relationship with God? No. No. That means that my relationship with God is still through Jesus. Now, as an elder of the church, am I called to be praying for people? Absolutely. And I do that. But I still pray in Jesus' name. And so if we go to a pastor, if we go to a priest, if we go to a prophet, or we go to any of these people, any, anybody that's got some special, who we think has got some special relationship with God, we're missing it. We're missing it. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't pray with people? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we should just pray by ourselves, hold up, praying alone, praying silently. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Me hearing the prayers of another person will strengthen my faith. It's interesting how that works. Nevertheless, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. Not in Joe's name. Not in Hosanna's name. Not in the deacon's name. Just because I hold an office doesn't make me a more righteous person. So the people of Israel, they came to this ephod in order to pray. They were supposed to go to the tabernacle. So if you go to the pastor to pray, 
You know, you're supposed to go in Jesus' name, not in the pastor's. Go in the name of the church. Well, it's a member of Hosanna. You go in the name of your own righteousness. You know, I've been baptized. I've given my life to the Lord. I've done this for you. I've done that for you. I, you owe me something. That's not right. You're going to the ephod. You're whoring after a false god. Don't trust in the pastor. Trust in Jesus. Don't trust in your church. Trust in Jesus. Don't trust in some membership. Don't trust in some action. Don't trust in some feeling. Don't trust in some emotional engagement or some time. Trust in Jesus. Because his ephod became a snare to them. And it led them astray. As Gideon became a go-between, it led him and everyone else astray. And then we see this power continuing to accrue and continuing to accumulate in Gideon's life. And that's a terrifying thing. Because power has a way of accruing. It has a way of accumulating in people's lives, in specific people's lives. And then we see what happens to Gideon. Jerubbaal, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Okay, so that's good. Now Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. What does this mean? Does this mean he loved a lot of women? Uh, no. No, having many wives was a status symbol. It meant that you had the money and you had the power to feed them. You had the lands, you had the people, you had the followers, you had all of these things. You could feed that many people. To have 70 sons, that's quite a few wives. Because statistically speaking, and now this is statistics, the more wives you have, the fewer children you have with each wife. So if you've got 10 wives, you're probably not going to have as many children as you would have had per wife. You just had one wife. I don't know if that makes any sense. You know, so if the average household has, well, not nowadays, but we'll figure that the average husband and wife had five children. So now if that husband has three wives, he's not going to have five children with each wife. You'll probably have fewer. Probably have three or four. And so as Gideon here has 70, what's 70 or 77? Gideon had 70 sons. I don't know why 77's in my mind. Gideon had 70 sons. Means this man's got a lot of got a lot of wives. He had many wives. Not only wives, he had a concubine too. So that wasn't enough for him. So he's got all of this power. See, all of this authority. And you know, that wasn't good for Gideon. Because the people of Israel turned away from him and they turned away from the Lord. After Gideon died, the people of Israel turned away from the Lord. And so Gideon, he accrued this power and he accrued this authority to himself. He pulled it into himself and he became a great man. But Israel fell away right afterwards. You know, and this is one of the sad things about the judges. After every judge, we get the same idea. We get the same reality. We get this reality that the people of Israel fell away right afterwards. 
during Gideon's day, even though the people of Israel were whoring after this ephod, became a snare to Gideon and his family, and to his family. And so this ephod, this was bad for Gideon. During Gideon's day, this thing was an idol to him. It replaced God. And so then it makes sense when the leader falls away from God that the people are going to follow him away from God. And so as Gideon accrued this power as the spiritual leader of Israel, he wandered away from God. Now I don't know about you, but to me that's terrifying. So that's why here at Hosanna, that's one of the reasons why I seek to give away as much power and as much authority and as much prestige as I can. Because I know what power does. Gideon, he had 70 sons. But the people of Israel fell away and they turned from God. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned as soon as as soon as. There wasn't even a generation in between. As soon as. Whew. They whored after the Baals and made Baal Bareth their God. Turned away from the Lord. We see that Gideon failed in his duty of being a spiritual leader. Took up that responsibility. Made that ephod. And then he failed. Because as soon as he died, the people walked away. You know, and as a pastor, that's so scary. Because pastors aren't given, well, we're not the average pastor in America is at a church for four years. In America, granted, AFLC, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't think we keep records of that sort of thing. It's possible that we do. But I don't think we do. And so pastors don't last forever. You know, it would be a great, great fear of mine. It is a great fear of mine. That if God ever calls me away from Hosanna, and I'm not saying that he has, I'm not saying that he is, but if he does, that the people of Hosanna would disperse and that this congregation, this group of people would wander away from God. Because that would mean that I failed in my task. Failed as pastor. And that's a scary thing to me. So that's another reason then that I give power away. Because that's how we train others. If power resides in one, what happens when that one is gone? And everyone's lost. It's like when the, the queen ant dies, all the workers are lost until they can find another one to tie on to. So then we try to spread out that power as much as possible, spread out that authority, spread out the work as much as possible so that something never happened to me. But this church doesn't reside on me, but rather on the whole congregation. That everybody would have responsibility, would pick up their responsibility, would take that upon themselves to pursue the Lord in their own lives, each individually. To pursue the kingdom of God, each individually. So no matter who their pastor ends up becoming, they will continue to pursue the Lord. We see all the more that Gideon failed because then after he died, the people of Israel turned away from his children too. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, in return for all the good that he had 
done to Israel. He doesn't even create love for his family. It's sad to see this. Sad to see that the people of Israel didn't feel any tie to Gideon's family. They were ready to make him king. Ready to make his sons king. Rule over us, they say. Your son and your grandson also. For you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Start to see how fickle fame actually is. Here, one moment, gone the next. People of Israel said, Gideon, we're ready to make your grandson our king. Here, once Gideon dies, they turn away from his children. What happens when power accumulates in one person? It's not a good thing. Power is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And so that's why we try to shed power abroad. We try to keep it from accumulating in one individual. Because as they accumulated in Gideon, it destroyed him and his legacy. Even though he started out with good intentions. So as this coronavirus lockdown hopefully is going to be done soon-ish, maybe. We each need to take up that authority that God has given us. We each are called to be faithful with what God has given us. To walk in that. To build upon that which we have been given. To not give that up to someone else because it won't be good for them but to trust God, to seek the Lord. And if you have power, and you do, your relationship with God, to wield that to the glory of God rather than just to accumulate more. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the story. We Thank you for the warnings within. Lord, I pray that we would be wise. Lord, seeking Jesus, trusting in Him. Each of us individually looking to Christ. Lord, that You might be glorified in all of our lives, individually. Lord, even as we congregate, Lord, that we would trust You all the more through that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.